We are the week before Bengals football. This is going to be a big one for us on the 3 a.m. Coney. Got a lot of uh, football. Bearcats, Bengals, Reds are dead. We're not talking about the Reds, right? We're going to move on and we're going to talk. This is going to be a very, very Bengals-heavy episode. How would you get us started? Well, listen, I don't, I don't even want to bring up the Reds again, but you kind of brought them up, so I guess we have to. We're not talking about the Reds today. That, that's, all, that's all we got to say. And by golly, if you're a Reds, if you're Reds only and you're looking for Red stuff out of this podcast, you better hope the Bengals look horrific on Sunday and it forces us to talk about the Reds because the Reds at this point are fairly close to a lost cause. I mean, they are rough. Yeah. Rough to watch. Absolutely rough to watch. Mm. Not even but, fun to watch. No, no but it no, was at least fun. This is what they're doing. This is what the Reds always do. They're tricking us into talking about them right now. Okay, stop. We're moving on. First up. First up. <laughs> we got the video, right? Yeah, listen. Uh, we want to give a big thanks to the All Bengals team at Sports Illustrated. Uh, Russ Heltman's appeared um, from All Bengals on SI on this show. Uh, James Ray Peen runs that. Uh, a lot of Cincinnati fans very familiar with him. And we had a video actually pick up some steam uh, this past week. If you guys didn't have an opportunity to see it, it's a video of Joe Burrow back in high school. This was after his sophomore baby season. Baby, baby Burrow. After his sophomore season, one of his first on-camera interviews um, was this one. We're going to go ahead and play it. And at the end of playing it, we'll discuss it. And yeah, this was the 3 a.m. Coney's first appearance in Sports Illustrated because of this video. First of many. Yards this season broke the Athens single season record. What, what, what was that like? It was a great feeling. Uh, my teammates have been great this year. My wide receivers made a bunch of catches. My linemen give me time. And I just wanted to go out and give this, make some school history. Now, now, as far as varsity play goes, last year you saw a little bit of time as defensive back, and now this season, 45 touchdown passes later, you are the, the commander of that Athens office, offense. What was that transition like at a varsity level? Well, I, during the summer I was anticipating being wide receiver and defensive back, and then Michael Germano moved to California, and I just tried to step in, do the best I could at quarterback. So, so what was that like to, uh, to adjust so quickly? Well, we, we were learning a new offense, and it wasn't that hard. Coach White did a great job of preparing our offense and our entire team for the So a few season. points to note there. First, uh, shout out to Gridiron Glory, because that's where, I, where we found that video. And I actually found this when I was at Ohio University. I was in a sport management class. Yeah. And we were attempting to do a sports center-ish project, is what they said. And when they assigned that to our group, I had another buddy that was in journalism with me in that group. And once that got assigned, we looked at each other and said, oh, this one's going to be fun. So we decided to go yeah. do Joe Burrow because we had all that file footage from Gridiron Glory available to us. And we combed through that footage for hours. And, you know, Nate Busilla is the guy that stumbled upon this clip. And it was just, it was mind-blowing to me because that was not the story that was told, without a doubt, at Athens. The story that was told was this guy moved from North Dakota because his dad was the defensive coordinator, and he just was a quarterback from eight years old, was always a quarterback, always going to be a quarterback, always will be a quarterback. And I think that a lot of Athens people got a little upset because we, they tried to say that we were trying to indicate that Burrow had never played quarterback or would have never played quarterback for Athens if Michael Germano, who had so many misspellings of his name, it was quite hilarious, <laughs> on Twitter, if he doesn't move to California, then he's never going to be quarterback. That's not at all what we were saying. What we were saying was this guy had no believers at the highest level, and it was always a small bit of doubt. Now, you have his youth football coach who was telling me how he was making audibles when he was eight years old. He was certainly a believer. Um, when we talked to Coach Nathan White later this week, who was his offensive coordinator, current head coach of the Athens Bulldogs, he'll, t he'll tell us all more about that situation. 
But if they would have thought this guy was going to throw 47 touchdowns and win the first playoff game in school history and end up being the greatest quarterback in the history of the state, he wouldn't have been QB2 heading into summer and through winter weightlifting. That's not yeah. what, what the story would have been. So there is another wrinkle of Joe Burrow has always been doubted for some reason. Because you see in that clip, he was skinny, right? Looked like he oh, yeah. could barely get hit, honestly, in that clip. Now, tall, and he was grown into his body and a great arm, and he was a great quarterback, and maybe would have won the job anyway. But there was certainly some doubt in Athens, and he turned around that program. There was certainly some doubt at Ohio State, so much doubt from Urban Meyer, they didn't even start him. Doubt at LSU from the national pundits. Doubt in Cincinnati, again, from different places. And I just showed the clip because the kid's used to it. Yeah, yeah, and that is you – can, you can pinpoint all of these times in Joe Burrow's life growing up where he is being doubted, and he, he is not – he has to he get past that and, and push forward and show that he has the strength and that he doesn't really care what people are saying or thinking about him. He's just going to go out and do what he needs to do. Well, I think it's crucial that us as Bengals fans preserve this part of the story because it is integral. Because people look at this kid from the outside, and right now he's going to look like an NFL body, NFL hair, NFL swagger, and he's going to look like this, this is this how this kid has always been forever and always. And if we don't, as Bengals fans – Make sure we collect the history of Joe Burrow. Make sure we hold Urban Meyer's feet to the fire for the rest of his life for not deciding to start him. Make sure that we know that Scott Frost said, we've got three better quarterbacks here at Nebraska. We don't want Joe Burrow. We cannot forget that part of the story because Joe is not forgetting it. Joe is not going to forget that he wasn't invited to the Elite 11 camps. He's the greatest quarterback in the history of high school football in the state of Ohio. Three seasons he played and is in the top 15 in passing yardage. Only guy to only play three seasons and be on that list. Everybody else started all four years. So this guy, he remembers all that. He remembers the, the, the being doubted. He remembers all that. And that is so much a big part of his personality. And, and there was a great article from Bengals.com about the social justice and how there was a player on his team that was a best friend that he didn't name. I know the name of, but I won't name as well because Joe set the lead on that. And that kid was berated with N-words multiple times. And I will say the school, it was at Fairland. That school berated that kid like it was, it was a, a zoo. I mean, he was aw they, were, they were awful, the stories I heard from Cincinnati. And that's the day Joe Burrow says it clicked for him, that he kind of understood that this world isn't black and white, literally, that people aren't not racist. Like, people are racist. He grew up in an area where you go down the street, you're in Gloucester, Ohio, which is one of the poorest communities in the state, one of the poorest communities in the country. He sees that. He meets those kids. Stories of kids having to sleep at the locker room to wake up and make film the next morning because they don't have a parent to drive them. This is all a part of Joe Burrow's story, every part of it, the poverty, the overcoming, the seeing the struggle, being able to understand that, to relate with different people from different backgrounds, different races. All these things have made Joe Burrow what he is today, which is the captain of an NFL team, and I am so unbelievably excited for it, Matt. Yeah, this is it. This is the final week preseason. What, what is your – I mean, you, you, we had your uh... – your barometer at 10. I was at a 10. Um, we're, we're keeping it there. We're going yeah. to an 11. We're <laughs> well, what we're doing later in the show is we're doing worst case scenario. And I, you know, I was telling my girlfriend this. I have to get into emotional enough of a state to be able to handle uh, Bengals collapse on Sunday. Because, listen, it's possible, right? He's a rookie. I mean, you look at Andrew Luck's first game. Dude threw two touchdowns, um, to three interceptions in his first game, 23 yeah. of 45, right? Now, Cam Newton dropped 423, but, you know, Andy Dalton was only 13 of 20. It might not look great. It might not look special, and there is a chance it looks horrible. And I think that I don't believe that's going to happen. That's fine. I'm not going to predict it's going to happen, but I think that as a Cincinnati sports fan, I better damn well prepare for it or else I won't be able to wake up on Monday morning. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Cautiously optimistic every single time. Have you got to the hope, but you got, you got a lot of beer ready just in case. You don't know whether you're celebrating or drinking down the heartbreak, but you're ready they, for which one. Well, well, we'll dive into worst-case scenario, but on Sunday, if they lose by 40 and Joe's got four interceptions and no touchdowns, I'm going to just go to sleep. There won't be any drinking involved. It'll just be sleep. <laughs> Wake up. Did that happen? Oh, my God, it did. His Madden rating's going to drop three points. You know, just that type of stuff. But it's pro football. It's going to be difficult. And, and that's the point kind of Colin Coward's been making, and, and we're really starting to get into lockstep on this, uh, Colin and I. He just doesn't understand how good the Bengals supporting cast is because he hasn't done the necessary research into the Bengals because he never does until they're 8-0. The last time Colin Coward nailed the Bengals' skill position and offensive line and defensive line and what's going on there organizationally was when we were 8-0. That was the last time. That was the last time. We almost forced him to pay attention. Um, So right now his thing is Joe may be – that's him saying he is the most talented rookie quarterback, Mm. obviously, because none of the other ones are starting. Um, And, well, Ryan Fitzpatrick – you think if Ryan Fitzpatrick were in Cincinnati, he'd be the starting quarterback today? Not over Joe Burrow. Not over Joe Burrow. And Joe Burrow would be the captain of the football team. I mean, no. that's – and if Joe Burrow were in Miami, he'd be starting today, and he'd be the captain of the football team. Um, so, Colin just thinks the Bengals are absolutely horrific around him, and I guess that that'll leave the barometer in terms of national media for me, Matt, at like a seven and a half. Okay. Um, because they think he's going to be – Normal number one pick. So, Jameis Winston, Cam Newton territory, not sneak up to Andrew Luck, RG3. Remember how they both made the playoffs. Um, sit in that middle, be really talented, have flashes, but the team's just horrible, and they go, you know, 2-14 and 14 to 6-10. and 10. I guess yeah. that's, that's yeah. where the national media sits. And the way our offensive line and linebackers looked last year, it's hard to really blame them. Yeah, definitely. I think having them – Having the uh, national media at a seven, seven and a half um, is the probably the best that we could have hoped for. Yeah, it's quite a turnaround. Because we had them at a four with with Colin Coward being the ringleader, the driving the anti-Joe Burrow parade, and now him jumping on the bandwagon is putting them at a seven and a seven and a half. And well, these, these, they're not idiots because, listen, what you and I were doing, so I don't know if you've been doing this, Matt, but I've been doing this. Every about two hours, I'll type Joe Burrow into Twitter and basically search the news and notes and all the Bengals reporters I follow every tweet, right? So I've been sticking up with camp. And the national guys, I've been doing that with Justin Herbert. I've been doing that with Tua. I do that with all the rookie quarterbacks. It's a very common practice to yeah. read what these beat reporters are saying and Colin's not stupid. If you get so many reports in one direction, so many claims, so many, wow, he looks athletic. Wow, he's a great leader. Wow, he's really ready. Most prepared rookie, most mature. That's going to leak through the league. And if it, all he's got to hear it from is one person he trusts, a few reports. They're not idiots. They're not going to stay on the wrong train forever, especially with the number one pick. If Joe Burrow comes out and throws four touchdowns, they'll be right along with us. I mean, that's how close they are. They just need to see it. Bengals fans are kind of seeing it before it's happened, which might be a mistake, but I I don't think it is. I think we're just a week or two ahead of the national media. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So with us at a 10 for the preseason right before the game, I am preparing to potentially have that move down if there is a – if he has a terrible game, but I, I he's going to have to do a lot. He he individually will have to make a lot of mistakes for me to move that down. Yeah, like what though? Like three oh. picks, four picks, bad loss. What if he, he makes does. a lot of mistakes and we win? What if he looks horrible and we win because Tyrod Taylor looks worse? Then then see that's the situation none of us are really prepping for. What if what if we win but Joe Burrow doesn't look good? See, I, I don't even think that's that's going to be an option. <laughs> I, I, I don't know where you're pulling this scenario out of your ass. but Well, uh, last year, last year, week one, guys, we are not – I think this is an important point. We are not as bad as everybody wants to pretend we were because I know we were 2-14 and 14 last year. What, it was but, eight games decided by one score. 
And listen, week one, 21-20, Seattle, winnable. If you go through that schedule, and my, and my buddy Max did this. He, he sent me this text. He's like, dude, I swear to God, you know, I know our schedule's tough this year, but if you go through last year's schedule and just put Joe Burrow in place of Andy Dalton, we go 10-6 and six, was yeah. his claim. Maybe 8-8, eight and eight, but honestly, 8-8 eight and eight is if you're being kind of harsh with how Joe Burrow's going to be. He is a number one pick. Cam Newton comes into the 2011 Panthers. Cam Newton wasn't ready to really lead an offense. Guess what? They go 5-11. and 11. They're at least competent. Andrew Luck goes 11-5. and five. Baker Mayfield wins six games in 14 starts. These yeah. guys end up usually winning five to eight games. So it's not insane. And if you go through all of these players, Matt, the best supporting cast for wide receivers is undoubtedly the Cincinnati Bengals. Like, you could criticize their offensive line all you want. They might be the worst unit in the league. And if Jonah Williams is another bust, might be the worst unit in the NF- in NFL's history. Like, seriously. Mm. Sure. But our receivers, I don't understand why the national media is saying the Dolphins have and the Chargers have much better weapons than the Bengals when that's just objectively false. Yeah, not even close. It's just not – It's yeah, it's not realistic. I mean, we we not have a problem of too many good wide receivers. Yeah, and, and that is just a, a way to feed, like, hope and optimism, which really brings us into our next segment – we have Matt. It's here. It's time. We've done this show for a little while. We picked up some traction, Sports Illustrated feature, mm. and it's just a great week to finally have a sponsored segment. It, it's, it's finally here. We're, we're excited for this. Um, Cincy Problems have said, hey, let's do this. The Cincinnati Sports Hope Rankings, this is a great idea. It's where we're going to rank all the Cincinnati sports teams from – how likely they are to be the championship bound. Are they a maybe next year team? The curse of Cincinnati sports, it's really real, real. But we all have hope all the time because it's got to end sometime, right? It's got to end eventually. So we figure we put together these hope rankings, Matt, to really give our thoughts and kind of the vibe of the Cincinnati sports fan in terms of the major sports organizations in the city. Bengals, Reds, Bearcats, FC Cincinnati, and we'll probably toss the Cyclones in there, too. So, I, I'm really excited for this type of segment, Matt. Cincy Problems, Hope Rankings. Where do you want to start? Bottom, top? How do you want to do this? I, I am very excited for this Hope Rankings. And this is going to be – this is – as a Cincinnati sports fan, you have so much hope going into every season. You are just grasping at straws, even if the team is terrible. You're like, you know what? Maybe we can squeak one out. And so, with these Hope Rankings, we're kind of, do, we're kind of doing a – the ones at the top are the ones that are still kind of in the running. They might be able to squeak one out, might be able to go into the playoffs, and then the ones at the bottom are kind of a, well, you know, maybe next year do some do some stuff in the offseason. Um, so I, I think we keep doing these until we nail that number one slot, and that is where that team eventually wins a playoff game. Because that is coming in for, for Cincinnati at some point. Yeah, but then we'll be like, immediately we'll want a championship. It's not. Exactly. Well, that's, yeah. sure. I mean, but that's, that's the first you knock over that domino. And then the rest of them just automatically fall. It's not like, okay, we, we want a playoff game. So now we don't need anything else for the next so, five years. So if FC Cincinnati wins an MLS playoff game at home, does that count? I don't know if those count. That's, that's, some, that's some gray area. Stuff. Well, because I think it does. We can this if we if we want to. I think that if they win an MLS playoff game, it half counts. We can kind of oh yeah that. I I mean I I almost count that Ohio Cup where they ran through the the crew and uh, yeah. The I mean those were pl- those were playoff games. It was the U.S. I mean, Open it, Cup it was a so. playoff atmosphere. There were more people at Nippert for those games than for any of the other sports. Yeah, so I, I don't know. That remains to be seen. They're not really close. They haven't scored a goal in 420 minutes. So <laughs> they're, they're back on their bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're starting at the top then? Let's start at the top. Okay, sweet. Uh, you go ahead. Go first. All right. Uh, number one in the hope rankings going into this season, I have the Bearcats. And that is, uh, um, let's see, we got two. We got um, – Dennis Dodd and Desmond Howard putting the Cincinnati Bearcats 
into their uh, surprise sleeper team to make the college football playoffs. And with uh, some of the some of the conferences not playing, opting out, this is a fantastic year for the Bearcats under Luke Fickle to continue what they've been doing over the last two years, keep winning games, and I I think that they have a real real shot putting them in my number one slot for the uh, Cincinnati Sports Hope rankings. So I have the Bearcats number two. And before I give my number one team, I just want to give a reason why the Bearcats aren't one. Because certainly in terms of quality and how many games they'll win this year, the Bearcats are probably at the top of the list. Or in terms of percentage of the games they'll win, certainly at the top of the list. But in a year where financially, the NCAA and its power conferences are going to be pushed to the absolute brink. I just find it impossible to believe that the college football playoff committee and already evidently and blatantly, you know, biased organization towards the group, towards the power five Mm -hmm. is going to, in a year that demands, you know, the most financial rigidity, the most, We've got to stay on our side, on our team. We can't allow the window to open. And those Power Five conferences, they run the committee. And I just don't think Bearcats will need to go undefeated and convincingly and have some things break their way to make the playoffs, even with the Big Ten missing. Because the committee is not wanting to put the Bearcats in. It's not Luke Fickle's fault. It's not the Bearcats' fault. It is the committee. Lucas, these are hope rankings. These are not logic rankings. No, it's the committee. No, you shouldn't have hope because of the committee. You shouldn't have hope because of the committee. This is blind hope. No, it's not blind hope. I can't be blind. I can't be blind. My hope is down because I think there's a bad system on Mm. top of college football. So I think that two's appropriate. I'm going to go ahead and put the Cincinnati Bengals at one because they are actually in a league where – it's theoretically possible in my mind that they win a championship this year. Now, this year, these are this year's hope. This this year, it is more likely the Cincinnati Bengals win a championship than the Cincinnati Bearcats actually convince the committee to let them play in the college football playoff. Then add on the fact that they'll have to beat Clemson or Alabama or one of those giants to actually win it all. So I think Bengals won, Bearcats too. Yep, I have uh, I have Bengals at Bengals at number two. Well, see, like we're close, but you just also you're a UC guy, so I, I get it. You know, I am. <laughs> I love a lot, a lot of friends from UC, but um, Ohio University myself, thus the Athens. Um, but anyway, Bearcats second for me. I, I I really am excited for Luke Fickle. I think they'll be great, and I'm sorry that I. Oh padded down your hope matt but (laughs) (laughs) yeah don't take my hope rankings and go you're stupid these are terrible don't root for these teams that's the opposite of what these hope rankings are supposed to be no root for them just hate the committee all right (laughs) third on my list and this should be this is a team this is unbelievable third on my list is a team that has not scored a goal in 420 minutes and there's another team to put on the list after them and that team is fc cincinnati i can't believe i'm saying this an organization where they've fired two coaches, one because he said the N-word in the locker room and the other because nobody liked him in the locker room and is an expansion franchise and hasn't even built their new stadium yet, I can't believe I'm putting them in front of the Cincinnati Reds. But that's exactly what I'm doing. Because FC Cincinnati, to me, has a more realistic path of climbing into it this year than the Cincinnati Reds do. Because FC Cincinnati's... Although they haven't scored in 420 minutes, they did pick up a few draws. They are in the hunt in the MLS, and if they can get lucky and get a few goals to go in, it's a big playoff field, and they can yep. make it in. So I, I think they're they're ahead of Cincinnati Reds, in my opinion. FC Cincinnati, I just have more optimism when I turn their games on. Yeah, I would I, I would agree with that, and I think the the Reds have given you some PTSD this year. You want we're wanting them to be a lot better than you were, so you just plummeted them after the past two weeks to the bottom of the rankings. But uh, I, I will agree with you if we are – if we're for the, the MLS playoff system, how that is set up this year. Um, I mean, Reds are basically going to have to go, what, 12-5 and five the rest of the year? To, there, there's, no, there's no way. 
There's no way. Yep. FC Cincinnati at three. I'll put the Reds at, uh, at number four. And honorable mention, I mean, we don't really need to talk about them because they're good every year. There, there's not – you don't need to put a hope tag on it for the Cincinnati Cyclones. You don't. They're no. fine. They're fine. No, I mean, it, it, that's, that's more of like a if – you, if you get worn out watching the Bearcats and the Bengals and the Reds and FC Cincinnati and they all lost and it was like a defeat right at the end, heartbreaking, you just go, you know what, I'm going to – I'm going to – I'm going to watch some Cincinnati Cyclones and, and this, this will be my team this year until, and then you go right back and the, the cycle starts again. Well, you know, it's, I think these hope rankings are going to gradually get better in terms of our hope will get bigger because, you know, Bengals Bearcats at the top in 2020. Yeah. It's not a lot of hope in terms of championship, but we think those are going to be positive teams and that's our hope rankings, Matt. We've completed them. That's Bengals, it. for me, Bengals, Bearcats, FC Cincinnati, Cincinnati Reds. For you, Bearcats, Bengals, FC Cincinnati, Cincinnati Reds. Yeah, I think we're, we're, we're pretty much in agreement there. And these, these hope rankings, as we're doing them throughout the season, with winning streaks, losing streaks, um, hopefully no injuries or anything else that could happen, um, they will fluctuate and we can start moving people up and down and decide – do, do any really deserve this year or are Cincinnati sports fans going to have to wait another year for the, for the hope of winning in the postseason? Well, I think the Bearcats will move up. That's my prediction is the Bearcats will move up because maybe I'll be convinced that the committee will be nice this year, but let's go ahead. It's the season preview show. Um, we're going to have about 10 minutes here at the end of the show, Matt, okay. um, to preview the season for the Cincinnati Bengals. Yes. That season. And the game this Sunday, we have a game preview. And this is going to be a nice rhythm for the show. Game preview, game review, game preview, game review, game preview, game review. It's very great. It's going to start, it's going to start a fantastic rhythm, hopefully a rhythm of, of winning and headlines and Joe Burrow being so good it makes you want to pee down your leg. But if those things happen, that would be our best case scenario, Matt. And so that's where we're going to start the prediction segment. What's your best case? Let's start positive. we just coming off the HOPE rankings What's your best case for the Cincinnati Bengals in 2020? Best case record-wise, I'm going to go with 11-5. and 11-5. All right, what happens? Like, you know, is it bad luck in the division? What happens in 11-5? What, what, what do you really – what do you see in your mind's eyes as a Cincinnati fan uh, happening at 11-5? and five? Um, At 11-5, at and five, it is the surrounding cast around Joe Burrow keeps the mistakes to a minimum. He is able to put the team on his back, and it's a lot of close games, but the games that we lost because we didn't have a Joe Burrow at quarterback, we are now winning because we have a Joe Burrow at quarterback. Yeah, I, I, 11 and 5 is mine. I think you stole it. Uh, <laughs> no, I did not. Well, 11 and 5 is, for me, these things happen. Burrow's the best rookie since luck. A.J. Green stays healthy the whole year, all yep. 16 games. There's a surprise in the linebacker room, so this one's important. There's an all-pro. There's, you know, there's somebody that's really good that we don't expect. Josh Bynes has this breakout season. Or, you know, Marcus or Logan, one of those guys, one of the rookies you drafted. Jermaine yep. Pratt, yep. yeah, takes a huge leap. Um, that needs to happen. Jonah Williams needs to be a borderline pro bowler if this team wants to go 11-5. and five. If they have a borderline pro bowler at left tackle and Joe Burrow is the best rookie since Andrew Luck and A.J. Green stays healthy and there's a surprise in the linebacker room, this could be a scary team. And then you need the Steelers and the Browns to suck. You need them both to suck um, mm -hmm. because you can't have three good teams in the division. And, and the Ravens the, are not going to be that team. And the Ravens aren't going to be bad. Um, so – I only think one of the two will suck. I think the Steelers will be pretty good. And then you need that – what you need every year, you need turnover luck. You know, turnover luck sways one way to the other. So if the Bengals get turnover luck, all those things, I can certainly see them being an 11-5 and five team. Boy, would it have to go perfect. I mean, injury-wise, quarterback play, every bounce, one-score games got to all go our direction. It's got to be that type of season, which maybe we're due for one. I, I don't know. due for one. Maybe we're due. It's coming at some point, if not this season, sometime before we die. Okay, but what's your worst case? Because this is probably going to be closer to what actually happens 
given the fact that this team plays its games in Cincinnati? No, best case and worst case, we're going to do that, and then it's going to be right in the middle. So, Hopefully. Well, that would, that would mean you and I are pretty I smart. <laughs> I would say worst case, well, they, they won two games or three games last year. I'm going to say probably three and 13, and that's going to be another one of we, – we see flashes, but the team as a whole still makes enough mistakes that we're not winning games – even if Joe Burrow doesn't have a terrible season, which we, we had talked about this thinking that maybe Joe Burrow would, would have a week or two or three to get accustomed. He doesn't have preseason. I, I, even in my worst case, I don't think he's going to struggle all year. So three, three wins, four wins, I think, is probably the, the worst case. That's, that, that would be – my lowest expectations, what could happen for, for the Bengals. For me, it's going to be 5-11. and 11. I just – we were a 4-12 and 12 team based on expected win-loss last year, and we underperformed by about two. And historically, if you look at that, teams that had the first overall pick and underperformed their expected win-loss by about two includes teams like the 08 Miami Dolphins, who went from 1-15 to the playoffs in 11-5. and five. It includes teams that have made that type of jump, right? Yeah. So, to me, I just don't think that your expected win loss is 4-12. and 12. You get the number one pick, the number 33 pick, by the way, and the first, round, first pick in every subsequent round, and you spend the most money you've ever spent in free agency with $120 million. You get five new starters. Should have been six, but Trey Waynes popped his peck. So, you've got five new starters – New quarterback, that's definitely going to be better. It would just be amazing to me if this team is not at least 5-11. And 5-11. And oh, and okay, so 5-11, okay. I think 5-11, and, 11, and I, I think their expected win-loss in terms of the point differential is going to look like seven wins at least expected. Now, will you end up with seven wins? Maybe. Um, will you end up with nine wins? Maybe. That's always possible. But the worst case would be turnover luck goes against them. Injuries close games, things aren't bouncing their way, like some onside kick BS. The Steelers are really good. The Browns are really good, which would be a real nightmare, right? If all those things happen, then, yeah, this could be a 5-11 team because they'll have six impossible games in the division. I think they'll have three wins in the division. Yeah. So that's the difference between 5-11 and 11 and 8-8. Eight and 8-8 eight. And eight and eight is probably the most realistic. My prediction, I might go a little above, be looking out for that video. But – I think 5-11 and 11 is worse. I'm going to go. I, it would just be incredible okay. to add that much and go worse than 5-11. and 11. I mean, their, their win total for the season is set in over under 5, so you should be hammering that right now. Oh, yeah, I hammered that. It's just Vegas, I don't know if Vegas quite I, – I don't know. It's, hard, it's, it's tough to be the guy that's against Vegas, but Vegas kind of – I think missed it on the Cincinnati Bengals. I think a lot of people are missing it. Does Joe Burrow win the rookie of the year? And what are his numbers? What do you think his numbers look like, Matt? Oh, I don't even know. But it, I, I think he wins rookie of the year, especially since he is the only well, rookie starting quarterback. Rookie starting quarterback. But it, there, there's no way that he doesn't win rookie of the year. The Bengals could go 0-16. He's not going to not put up numbers. Yeah, I just think – Peter King had him outside of his top four for rookie of the year. Okay. Which is hilarious. Like, listen, Peter, uh, fellow Ohio University alum, Peter King, you cannot put the number one overall pick quarterback who earned the starting job and a captainship in the preseason outside of your top four for rookie of the year. Not because of what I think about Joe Burrow, but because of what every other number one overall pick in that situation has ever done ever. Right. The lowest he would be is third. And you're going to have him outside yeah. the top four? Like, that is just a big miss. Big miss. Yeah. He might – maybe he doesn't win it because Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has 20 touchdowns for the Chiefs' 15-1 and one offensive juggernaut. Fine. Mm -hmm. But Joe Burrow is certainly going to be one of the – if he stays healthy all year and plays 16 games, he's going to get rookie of the year votes enough to finish in the top four. And it's crazy if you think right. otherwise. Right. Absolutely. All right, next prediction. Um, 
I think he'll win rookie of the year, by the way. And I think he'll throw 26 touchdowns around there, maybe 24. Really numbers similar to other rookies, number one picks, which is pretty good. I mean, he, um, he's going he, – he's, he's, he has been drafted in both of my fantasy football drafts so far. What round did you get him in? Uh, I did not get him. <laughs> I, did, I did not take him. Um, but uh, uh, someone took him in the 14th, and then someone took him in the 16th. He was uh, taken in the fifth in my draft. In the fifth? In Who are you playing fifth. with? So all Bengals fans? No, 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 not at all. The only other Bengals fan in the draft is the one that drafted him, and it's because I talked to the guy a lot. So I must have just been – Oh, you were hyping him up. <laughs> I, I'm not a good fantasy no, player because yeah. I share all my opinions on air and talk to people about it. And it's not, it's not conducive for fantasy. You can't really, oh, I really like this guy, and I'm not going to tell anybody about it. Yeah, well, I mean that's that's a little bit what fantasy is. You got to pretend like, oh, he's not going to do anything this year, and then you just grab him and you go, oh, I knew the entire time. Well, maybe that's why I've never won one. So <laughs> there you go. Yeah, it's honestly the worst thing in my life. <laughs> All right, um, real quick, over under five and a half wins. Uh, I'm hammering over. You're hammering uh, it over. Um, yeah, I, I still think, think they go over. I think so. With with this case at eleven wins, worst case at three or four. I'm putting their actual win total probably around six or seven as, as, my, as my realistic for the year. Well, I mean, I'll share my prediction here. The, the full video will be out too, 3 a.m. Coney page, Twitter, you can find it. Um, I'm going nine and seven, Matt. Um, okay. I just mm. think I'm going nine and seven. I went through game by game. Why you have them over the Bearcats? I, I went through game by game through this season. And I really, I really spent some time on this. So I really tried to do the objective, sit back, don't be crazy Bengals fan guy. Don't be it. Like, don't. You were being objective and you got the nine and seven. I'm like, just sit back, be objective, but positive, okay. right? What do you think Joe Burrow is? Be positive about the team. So like nine and seven to me is a slightly optimistic look. I think they start two and oh, though. And I think Good. that. Yep. I think they can. A 2-0 start, 9-7 looks really realistic now, certainly. So, I mean, this is kind of the crux of it. This Sunday really will determine whether my prediction's way off or not. Because if they start 0-2, I think they're a 7-9, 6-10 team. They start 1-1, I'm going to guess they finish right at 8-8, maybe 7-9. If they start 2-0, that's confidence, that's belief. You have no idea what will happen in that locker room if they start 2-0 in terms of for the rest of the season. Right, because there'll be rough games. I have them getting blown out by the Eagles, blown out by the Ravens, blown out by the Titans. I think his first game in Heinz Field, Joe Burrow is going to be embarrassed. I think he's going to yeah. be buried. I think he's going to get run into the turf. I think T.J. Watt is going to be one of the most dominant pass rushers in the NFL this year. I think he'll be the defensive player of the year, actually, yeah. in the NFL. That's my Pretty prediction good. for T.J. Watt. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if he's going to be the defensive player of the year and Joe Burrow sees him for the first time, I, I just think that first game in Heinz Field is going to be really bad. I, like, I think this is really realistic. And I had a tweet thrown out me yesterday, Matt. I don't know if you saw this. And it's because of Brown, Browns fans are way worse than Bengals fans. <laughs> it's official. I had a tweet thrown at me because I have the Browns finishing last place in the AFC North. And okay. to me, Matt – why is that crazy? Do you know why that's crazy at all that this team would finish last in the AFC North? Because the first thing Browns fans will say, Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, Baker Mayfield, Kevin Savansky, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, all this talent. And I'm like, you're the Cleveland Browns. Thir- that's why they were supposed to win the Super Bowl last year, right? 13 times since 2002, you finished in last place in this division. And I can't say you're going to finish in last. I can't. I'm not allowed to predict an event that's happened over 70% of the time since I've been playing attention to football. That's insane. Browns fans, get out of your own ego. Yeah. Win something first. Anything. A division. Seriously, they're so in their own head. That that, that is all they have. Browns are just – they are tired of getting shit on. They are the – but they're one not, of the cockiest like fan bases. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was good. I didn't even see it. I was all serious. I didn't think you'd drop you drop one. 
I didn't think you'd drop it on me. That was good. Right, so hopefully they went both drop it on me and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully they went both against the Browns. How many do you think they'll win against the Steelers? They're, they're going to lose in Hines Field. You think they'll win at Paul Brown? This is okay. the crux. So yeah. this season's going to come. So I'm finishing nine and seven. I said they make the playoffs, but realistically, I'm going to guess that there's another team that's nine and seven that kind of edges them out on some tiebreaker or they mm-hmm. go eight and eight. Yeah. But I really do believe that the crux of this season is going to happen week 15, Monday night football, because this is going to be a team that's competitive all year in my eyes and heading into that Monday night game. I think that this team will be either. I have them at seven and six um, but either seven and six or six and seven and competitive in the race for a playoff spot. They've got three horrifically tough games coming up, but in the race for a playoff spot and Joe Burrow is a big time player in big time moments. And that's why I have him winning the Thursday night game too. And this yeah. Steelers team is going to have just beat the crap out of them um, at Heinz field. They, they are going to be overconfident. They're going to be flying high It'll be, what, 11 straight wins against the Cincinnati Bengals? It's Monday night football, and it's Is just – true, 11 straight wins? Yeah, I think it'll be 11 straight if they win the first oh, one this season. That is, They're uh, 18-2. The Steelers are 18-2 and two in Paul Brown Stadium what? over the last 20 games. 18-2. and two. But that's why this is the crux of the season. Because all year we're going to be pretty good, and Burrow's going to look really great. And he's going to get a lot of praise because – one thing about the national media is that they're so down on the Bengals that if the Bengals are confident, Joe Burrow is going to get an unbelievable amount of praise, yeah. which will be good, and, and he'll deserve it. Um, right. And then we'll get to say, we told you so. Exactly. But, but he's going to be so hyped, so praised, but it's going to be Monday night against the Steelers. And you know that panel, they do the prediction panel? It's going to go right through Steelers, 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 Steelers. I like Joe. He's, he's looking great this year. but Oh, uh, I mean, yeah. But they, it's the Steelers. They're not going to be able to beat the Steelers. Yeah. They're, they're not ready to beat the Steelers team. At this time, I imagine the Steelers will be neck and neck with the Ravens in the AFC North. And the Bengals are going to win that football game. Why? Yeah. Because Joe Burrow wins these types of games. And, and it's going to be one. I don't think we're going to sweep the Steelers this year. But Joe Burrow is on a Monday night going to have such a good performance. Open so many eyes. And the Bengals are going to pull an upset on some crazy. I have a 38-35. Like some Tyler Boyd down the seam, 45 yards, 13 seconds left, touchdown. Bengals win. Something crazy. Something that will light this fan base on fire. I hope exactly that happens. And then you can get this clip. (laughs) I think that that's what will happen on the Monday night. I think we'll be eight and six at that point or, you know, seven and seven. And I could care less what happens in the last two weeks because that's all you'll need to see that this kid is special and you just need to put the correct pieces around him. And I think the whole city is going to buy in. And you know what? That Monday night game so late in the year, somebody figure this damn vaccine out. So maybe we can all be in Paul Brown stadium for that. You know, that that was the other thing I was going to say. Uh, with going to Heinz Field, it's not going to be as uh, scary uh, now. Punishing or scary to a, a rookie quarterback or to the Bengals team in general. So that yeah. would be the only way that, you know, it, it's, oh, another empty stadium. We're playing in another empty stadium. What city is this in? I don't, it doesn't matter. There's no fans here. So yeah, but it's it, not going to be as big of the. But if Renegade comes on in the shower, I still get scared. So. <laughs> <laughs> I was the only Bengals fan in an entire section in Heinz Field um, when the Bengals lost. I think it was 2018, yeah. whatever. One of those losses they had to lead in the fourth quarter. Um, but when Renegade comes on in that stadium, you're going to think about that song the rest of your life if you're a Bengals <laughs> fan. I promise you. When you walk through the stadium and they've got the entire thing supported by support beams that look like Lombardi trophies, it's going to stick in your head. You're going to be like, wait a minute, we're not even on the same planet. But but that's all right. So we've lived through one trilogy with the Empire just destroying everyone. We are now going into this. We got uh, our Luke. We got our Luke. Exactly. We have have a new hope. We have the the rise of Joe Burrow. Hey, we've got a lot of great people on Twitter out there. If somebody can do the Joe Burrow looking like Luke Skywalker and then a new hope. Mm. And then have, like, Ben Roethlisberger as, like, Darth Vader in the background. Or, like, Mike Tomlin as the emperor. 
you know, just somebody. Yeah, uh, like Bender Roethlisberger, he, he, uh, he would be Jabba the Hutt, right? And if we're trying to pick someone around <laughs> the Yeah, he'd be Jabba. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and then Antonio Brown, if he were still on the team, would be Salacious Crumb, the guy that sits on Jabba's lap. <laughs> there you go. Oh, man. Okay, real quick. We yep. got to do this weekend, Chargers, Bengals. We've had a lot of fun. We went over on this show, but that's all right. Um, Chargers, Bengals, right now, Vegas has this. Is Bengals at plus three and a half. I actually saw this line move down even more. So, okay. it might be getting bet down mm. um, in terms of people betting the Bengals um, yeah. to pull the upset. Because, listen, there's a combination of things that's happening in this game, Matt. You have Derwin James is out. The Chargers were 5-11 and 11 last year, 5-11. and 11. And the Bengals, you know, I know they were 2-14, and 14, but there were a couple one-score wins for me in that not, exact yeah, same they team. They were not a, a five-win, five-less wins, you know, worst team. Though. Yeah, so bo- both the team's biggest weakness is what? Linebacker and offensive line. It's the same thing. They have the same weakness. Yeah. And the problem with the Chargers is they don't have Joe Burrow at quarterback. They have Tyrod Taylor. And here's another one that betters really like. Who has the preparation advantage in this game? I mean, it's undoubtedly, without question, the Cincinnati Bengals. Not only do they have the Chargers on hard knocks, Zach Taylor is coached against Tyrod Taylor multiple times, at least four times, a couple times as a coordinator, uh, as an assistant coach. Um, so he's seen Tyrod Taylor. Players on that defense, Josh Bynes, they've seen Tyrod Taylor. They've played against him before. There's a lot more NFL film on him. While on the other side, you have a number one overall pick. And this has happened in NFL history, and it happened with the biggest Joe Burrow comp, Cam Newton. Cam Newton, Heisman Trophy winner, national championship, beat Alabama, was in the SEC. That's yeah. the closest number one comp you have to Joe Burrow's college career. Mm-hmm. Transfer as well, Cam Newton. Cam Newton, in his first game, they lost, but he was 24 of 37 for 422 yards and two touchdowns at 110 passer rating. His Mm. first game as a quarterback um, in the NFL, and he ran for a touchdown. So, like, that's on the table for the Cincinnati Bengals, and this Chargers team, nobody's going to be able to tackle. Nobody's going to be able to tackle. So, I think it comes down to skill position, guys. Who's going to be better in space? Who's going to get open more? And the Bengals are better at the skill positions. They have a better pass rush than the Chargers, too. Chargers more star power and have the best guy, but the Bengals a better unit overall. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a lot going for the Bengals here. And three and a half points at home, I like it. I, I hammer in the Bengals plus three and a half as a Bengals fan and as a guy who likes to win money. <laughs> so you're, you're, taking, you're taking the points for the Bengals, three and a half. You're betting the many, m- money line for them, too, there? No, I, I just don't. Yeah, because then it's like if they lose by one, I can at least be like, oh, you know, at least I won that, you know, a little I bit of something, something. Yeah. a little bit of something, something I got. There like go. there's nothing yeah, there's think- nothing better than having uh, somebody playing the Bengals on your fantasy team. They go off for 180 and you're like, ah, but hey, we won the fantasy match. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah, uh, I think, I think it'll be close. I, I think the, the Bengals are going to squeak this one out. I think they're going to go 2-0 to start the year. Um, I, I don't think this is going to be a blowout. So, Bengals plus points, maybe sprinkle a little bit on the money line. Um, over-under is at 43-and-a-half. You think it's going to be over that? You think defenses are not going to be a little, little bit more of a shootout? Well, week one – here. I think week one overs last year hit at 70%. And this week one – because – What's starting to happen is every year early is awful tackling. So many missed tackles. And the Bengals are like many other teams with the fact they didn't tackle at all. Mm. Not not a day did they truly really get down and tackle. Maybe some position drills, maybe this, but live, going after it, everybody getting hit, wrapped up, didn't happen. And it didn't happen for a lot of teams because they were managing – health and they didn't want their players tackling each other that's going to be huge it's going to be a lot of points i I tackled before this and now i don't i don't know yeah i just there's going to be some bad ones there's going to be some really bad missed tackles and that's going to favor the bengals but it will also favor austin eckler yeah i mean eckler is going to make our linebackers look really Mm -hmm. silly a few times i mean it should really be a 27 21 
35-28, type of game. I think both these offenses will be much better than people expect. I think a lot of missed tackles will benefit them. And I just – I like the Bengals because they have a better quarterback. But the yeah. overs, overs easy. If you're going to bet the over-under on a Bengals game week one, you bet the over. You're a loser yeah. if you bet the under, especially this week. Um, because it's no fun. You, you want to cheer for no points? Nobody does. Yep. I am in agreement there. Bengals plus three and a half. Hit the over. Over 43 and a half total points. That was our marathon show, Matt. A lot of fun, though. Week one preview had a lot to get to, a lot to review. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's the benefit of it. We've got football now. I mean, remember, you and I started this podcast. We're like, all right, and what do we talk about? (laughs) (laughs) Your cat was jumping on. (laughs) Yeah, you know, we had a cat attack video. But now it's NFL season preview, and we got it done. We got it in. You think Bengals' official season prediction, say it again, Seven and nine, right? Seven and nine is my my realistic prediction, correct? I'm going to go nine and seven because I've seen a lot of seven and nine. I like to be a little bit different. And I looked at the schedule, and I think it's really possible. And you know what? Maybe we're due for some luck. Maybe the Reds' collapse was a good unbiased, unbiased nine and seven. Oh God! If Joe Burrow starts six and zero, listen, the Reds could lose every game from now until the day I die if you guarantee me Joe Burrow wins one playoff game one playoff game not even one playoff game that's the point I'm at with it now you know why because I'm so used to the I have watched Reds baseball the Reds I have watched Reds baseball my entire life and they've only been good three times so I they've really kind of lost my it's hard to remember the juice you know yeah. I remember the Bengals having juice. I remember it in 2018 when we started 4-1. and one. Like, I remember this team having juice and excitement and hope and playoffs and mm-hmm. upper echelon and looking at power rankings and not being embarrassed. That team is – this team is so much closer to that than the Reds. And the Reds only had it for a split second, and they've never been able to capture it again. They are the yeah. worst of it. They are the worst team in the NL Central – they're one of the worst organizations in baseball unless they are able to figure this out within the next two years. So I would take a Bengals playoff win over anything Cincinnati Reds at this point. Yeah, Bengals seem to be on the rise until hopefully they do not blow it. Reds, um, and in terms of hope, it seems to be a lot of um, kind of trying to convince ourselves. Like, ah, uh, they're, they're right right there. They're about B-A-B-I-P. B-I-B- yeah. B-A-B-I-P, they're which just, I can't say in a sense. They're not bad. They're just unlucky. They're the unluckiest team in baseball in 30 years. It'll turn there around. Well, this is the worst year to be the unluckiest team in the history of baseball because you don't have any sort of sample size advantage. So, right. If that is what it is, then whatever. They'll come back next year, same roster, different manager, and maybe they'll be good. But I'm not ready to have that conversation until February because it's Joe Burrow season. That's right. Burrow season, baby. Who day, baby? This is the 3 a.m. Coney.